Oh, First John chapter 4, uh, you can turn that way. I'm so grateful. Man, I'm so grateful that I to have the opportunity to be with you on your treat. Really, um, like Dave said, uh, um, yeah, our church wants to partner with you and wants to give to you as we have received. Um, but I, I feel like inviting me into your world uh, has been very, very generous. And it's really, it's, it's done my heart good. Actually, I'm, I'm inspired. I, I think we're going to start to do retreats, and I'm looking for a church to partner for children's ministry <laughs> in Southern California. I, I, I got a whole, a lot of people that would like to fly here to watch your kids. Oh, we're right next to Disneyland, folks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for welcoming me into, into your world. One last question. Uh, it's implied in the text. It's not, I would say, upfront and obvious, but, but I believe it's crucial and perhaps groundbreaking for some of us. It, it was for me the first time I noticed it. If you haven't caught on yet, the progression of our sessions together, you might, you might we're, we're, we're kind of like taking a deep dive into the topic of love. Um, we've done it from a, a top-down, uh, you might say, fashion, a doctrine of God. God is love, right? Then, then the doctrine of the church. Doctrine of the church. We are loved by God. And now this morning, our last moments together, the doctrine of man. The doctrine of man and how it relates to love. What does the Bible say about who we are as humans as it relates to love, and in, and in particular to answer, I think, a very important question. There's all kinds of implications. We're going to look at just one implication this morning, but how do you answer the question, is it right or wrong for us to want to be loved? Doctrine of God, doctrine of church, doctrine of man. Is it wrong for you to desire to be loved. I think Christians, this is my experience, often Christians for good reasons, but also because, because we're suspicious of anything that hints at personal pleasure and, and enjoyment. We spend our time beating ourselves up, attempting to convince ourselves that we need to love, we need to love more, we need to love the least we need to love the unlovable as we are unlovable. We need to love the lost. We need to love, love, love and miss much of the meaningfulness and purpose behind all this love we know we're supposed to be doing and giving in the first place and feel bad when we don't. We tend to, maybe just like the other topics, leave it all but the surface. And we like when we think about God is love or we are loved, we, we skip across the surface and miss the deeper significance of this reality, the, the deeper design regarding our humanity and the reality that love, love is written into the very code of creation. Is there more? <laughs> is there more to the command to love one another than just, well, if loving others is good enough for the Trinity, then I guess it's good enough for me. <laughs> just do it. Even if you don't feel like it or don't want to receive it, 
you just need to love? What if it's okay to want to be loved? So look with me at our text again. One more time, 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. I hope as we keep circling over and rehearsing this, just this one little passage, you, you're beginning to see more in them than you did when we first began. And if you can just walk away with one or two sentences, a couple points, our time together will have been very profitable. Verse 7, chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, how we are loved by God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, for we're united to him welcomed into his world and life. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, No, but that He loved us. And how did He do it? And By sending His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. A sacrifice. Verse 11. Beloved, those loved by God, if God so loved us, if He loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love, his love is perfected in us. Let's pray once more for understanding. God, our Father, we, I hope, I believe, for myself, for many of us, after just a day together, we, we just at this moment feel your love a little more than we did on Friday afternoon, driving from our homes and our offices to this place. For many of us, it's sweeter today than it was on Friday, and so we pause and we just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your words and your spirit that meets your words in the air and impacts us and leaves a mark on us, puts a dent in our hearts, and heals us, changes us, teaches us, trains us, makes us like you. We don't, we don't deserve any of it, but we, sh- but we enjoy it. We want to we be right, we, we want to be like Jesus for all the right reasons. And so we pray you would change us to that end. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I introduced you to my two-year-old daughter, Willow Love, uh, last night, and I want to tell you another story about her. She, she rocked my world, like I said, and, and I find myself now often in settings I hadn't been in in like a decade, right? Like playgrounds. I hadn't been, my, 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 my 17-year-old is now six foot seven, 260 pounds, he doesn't want me to push him on the swing anymore. And I don't want him to get on the swing because I don't want to pay for the swing when he breaks it. 
And she loves the swings. It's her favorite. Or, or the toy aisle. And, and for us, Target, or we call it Target, just to make it feel fancier. It's a discount kind of store. Uh, but we spend a lot of time. We go run in to buy something, and I spend a lot of time looking at the Sesame Street toys. Didn't, it's all the same <laughs> from the last decade. Uh, or, or out in the garden at church. We have a garden outside the building, and afterwards all the young dads go out there. and They're not even old enough to grow a beard yet, and yet I'm out there with them playing with my kid. They're like kids out there that have children. It, <laughs> I don't know what I missed. Like they're having kids younger, it feels like. You're, you're just your perspective changes. Well, one of my most favorite things that I used to do, but now I get to do again, is to do story time at the public library with Willow. I don't know if you do that here. I'm sure you do something similar. The librarian gathers all the little children together, and the moms and one guy with a big beard sits down on the floor with all our legs crisscrossed, right? And, and, and it goes the same every time. There's a, there's a rhythm to the story times, a, a liturgy, you might say, an order. We start with the songs, right? The songs that, and then we get to the books. But first, the songs, and they're always the same. I don't know if you guys sing these, like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? Yeah, there you go. The wheels on the bus go round and round. Five little monkeys jumping on a bed. One fell off, and Dad said, I told you so. You know, right? Like, well, well, recently, one of the songs in the song list, and it's always the greatest hits, one of the songs in the little, the song list struck me as a little like pie in the sky, to use that, like a little too optimistic. Here, here it was. The song was, it was selling. My, my two-year-old was into it. Will loved it, but I was not buying it as I sat there thinking about the song. Uh, the more we get together, 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 the more we get together, the happier we'll be. You know this song, right? Yeah. Because your friends are my friends and my friends are your friends. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. And as I sat there and I watched the kids singing, I thought, this is what happens when marijuana becomes legal in California. <laughs> like, who wrote this song? <laughs> so I Googled it. Right? That's what you got to do. You got to Google. And guess what? I'm not making this up. Now, I, I wish I could make stuff up like this. I'm not making this up. I'm going to ruin this song for you. Right, here it comes. The More We Get Together was first published by two British men as a theme song about 100 years ago. Can't make this stuff up, peoples. For a new organization that they were forming named the Ancient Order of Froth Blowers. <laughs> the Ancient Order of Froth Blowers. Yeah, I'm going to ruin a kid's song for you this morning. That's froth is in the head of a, of a good beer. <laughs> the More We Get Together is a theme song for a men's fraternity in British in Britain, 1920s, whose mission was to drink beer, this is in their documents, drink beer, eat beef, and smoke tobacco. And their motto, lubrication by moderation. <laughs> highest ranking order, because it's a fraternal order, right? The highest ranking order, the senior blower, right? <laughs> And no surprise for men by the thousands all over Britain joined this club. Even the women and children got their own passes. They had their own titles as well. And everyone was clamoring to join the club where, where once the meeting commenced and everyone had assembled at the pub, you could sing, picture 1920s British pub, right? The more we get together, to get, I'm telling Maroon in this song for you, the happier we'll be, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> We started it in orange a couple months ago. 
Uh, unfortunately, as I, I had suspected, unless you're dedicated to the cause of lubrication and moderation, a more accurate rendition of that song would go something like, the more we get together, the unhappier we will be. Because your friends are my enemies. And my enemies are your friends. If anything else, the more we get together, the more likely we are to disagree. Isn't that true? The world doesn't work like the song says. It's pie in the sky. Which is how all children's songs, top hits at the library should go. However, for the adults in the room, this begs a question. Why, why do you think God designed the world in such a way that in large part, in large part, and an enormous part in the way God has designed the world, what it means to live in this world, to be a part of the human race, is to love other humans. Not just the Creator. Have you, have you ever asked this question? Who cares if the more we get together, the happier we'll be? Isn't loving God enough? Isn't loving God enough? God, God is love. God loves us. We love Him back, right? Period. No lubrication necessary. Like the moon reflecting back the light of the sun. You know, you, you can go out here maybe. I was telling one of the guys in your pastoral team in, in the States, the dream, oh, is Brendan, the, the dream of moving out and starting a homestead. Maybe here moving out into the bush. But for us, you go to move out into the woods to get away from everybody. It's just me and Jesus. What? Why isn't loving God enough? Well, here's the answer. There are lots of answers to this question, but I've chosen one, a very specialized application as you guys head back into your city and head back into your homes, a specialized application uh, answering this question. I've chosen just this one because it's, I think it's often overlooked and has, has great potential, especially for a congregation like yours that loves the lost. Not, not because you're missing anything, but quite the opposite, because you can do this one really, really well. Here it is. Why isn't loving God enough? Because we all have been made to be loved. We all have been made to be loved. And in particular, we were made to be loved By being affirmed by others for the things that are true about us that bring glory to God. Let me say that again. We were made to be loved by being affirmed not only by God, but by others about things that are true about us that bring glory to God. That that desire you have to be loved, that deep-seated impulse to be affirmed by anyone, to be recognized, to be, and I dare say it, here I'm going to say it, I think I'm going to say it, the desire to be praised. Wanting to be loved is part of what it 
means to be human. It's a feature of the program, not a bug. Wanting to be loved is part of what it means to be human. Now, have I made you uncomfortable yet? Probably at least your pastor's in the front row going, what is he talking about? Christians don't like to talk about this because we want to avoid the risk of being, what, prideful, right? Or, or not humble or self-seeking or self-centered. And so we accuse every impulse inside of us that cries out to be loved ourselves to be on the receiving side of love because we know that ultimately none of any of this our lives is supposed to be about me to terminate in me and this much is true none of all of this is intended to terminate in you however when you are loved or you love another person you aren't necessarily aborting the larger or the, the, the larger purpose of that love transaction. Maybe, maybe we've been wired to desire to be loved because by being, being loved man to man, woman to woman, husband and wife, father to son and daughter, mother with her children, Maybe we've been wired to be desire to desire to be loved because in being loved, God is glorified. You were made to be loved by being affirmed by others for the things that are true about you that bring God glory. I say it, I'll say it, I'll say it this way, quoting Sam Crabtree, yet yet another book, I'm gonna sell you another book. Uh, before you head off. I, th- I think if your pastors would allow, I'd buy you a case of these books. This book has changed and transformed our church. It's nothing new. You're going you're gonna to recognize the principle as soon as I start getting into it. But here is Sam Crabtree. He was the uh, executive pastor with John Piper for most all of John Piper's uh, pastoral career at Bethlehem Baptist in the U.S. Sam Crabtree, his book's called Practicing Affirmations. Here it is, God-Centered Praise. God-centered praise of those who are not God. Here's here's how he says it. Affirmation, this affirming, this, this activity. Affirmation is the purpose of the entire universe. Affirmation is the purpose of the entire universe, and most especially, affirmation of God. Affirmation is what love does. Affirmation is one of the things that love does. Love commends the commendable and praises the praiseworthy. And listen, when, when God does in others what He does in others, it does no one any good and possibly cheats God out of His glory when we stuff it down and we don't identify it and celebrate it. I'm guessing around here at your church, you're probably like ours, we're both sister churches, we share the DNA. You call this identifying evidences of grace. That's what we're talking about. Same Crabtree again, same book. He writes, the elementary desire to be commended is not wrong. The desire to be commended becomes perverted when we desire to be praised for the wrong things. 
Our problem then is not that we want to be made much of. It's so counterintuitive for someone who's been taught so well that we exist for the glory of God. Our problem then at one level is not that we want to be made much of. Our problem is that we want to be made much of for the wrong reason. So back to our original question. Is it wrong to be desired to be loved? And in particular, a particular form of being loved to be affirmed. Is it wrong to desire to be affirmed? And the answer is no. The answer is no. In fact, when you desire to be loved for the right reasons, like say, for instance, affirmed as a friend, you take a chance, you reach out to someone new. One of my other daughters, I got two daughters, she just became a freshman in high school. <laughs> got to go into that scary building where she knows no one and she desires to lay it all on the line and ask someone to have lunch with her. And she wants them to respond back. Sure. Yeah, I'll have lunch with you. You take a chance and you reach out and you're kind and you take an interest in another person and share your personhood with that individual and they reciprocate and in their reciprocating you discover a newly formed friendship and you enjoy it you find pleasure in it because friendships find their ultimate end not in your friendship but in the purpose of god that then that my friends is more than just knowing that friendship is sweet it's more than just knowing friendship is sweet that's experiencing the sweetness of a friendship yourself okay now i got your attention let me let me make some last observations, just like the last the other session. Some some last statements regarding this last topic. We were made to be loved and to love. Number one, a couple statements here. I think five. We got time. Number one, God-centered affirmations are always about God. God-centered affirmations, proper af uh, affirmations are always about God. This is what you're doing when you're doing what we've been reading over and over again in 1 John 4. If we do it properly, first, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, if God loved us in this way, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. There is a completion, a a, a, a perfecting that, that occurs, a closing of the book, a closing of the loop that occurs when God's love spills out of his own essence and his own character, the dance of the Trinity, and it takes up residence in us. It's poured out into the hearts of the faithful, and we experience his love as it flows into us and then transforms then the way we, just like he engages with his creation, transforms the way we engage with others be clear we're not we're not talking flattery right that's not what we're talking about this this is a manipulation god's love flows into our hearts from him who is love and we like him reflecting back that glory to him in love but to others as well 
to people who are not God. And he gets the glory as we do that in ways and for things that he is doing. Anything good in anyone else in this room sitting next to you is not ultimately sourced and its origin doesn't find its location in them, Christian or non-Christian. Any good. I have family members who love, 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 love their spouses they hate God where'd that love come from common grace not saving grace I can affirm that knowing that that ultimately is reflecting back to God as well there is a difference between wanting and deserving to be loved and we gotta be careful not deserving all good comes from God. But listen, God-centered affirmations. Do, doing this right. Good affirmations, regardless of who you affirm, point to the echoes and the realities, the shadows of a grace and righteousness that's not intrinsic to the person being affirmed. They are God-centered. Even when the affirmation is horizontal. Whole universe works this way. Most important man who ever lived in the history of the human race, Jesus. We live to affirm him. Our affirmations to others are pointing to just the reflections and echoes of who he is. It's image of God. Guys, doctrine of man. What does the Bible teach about what it means to be a man, to be a human? We are made in the image of God. As refracted and broken as it is still in every person who walks in Sydney. Who works and lives here. Who leads a family, leads a business, has nowhere to lay their head at night, homeless. All of them carrying around some of the image of their creator. And when we affirm, knowing we're affirming the right things, where where that image is still perceptible, God is at work, there's some good there. And we acknowledge it and we commend it. But we're not saying, you are good. We're saying, God is good. I see it in you. God is good. Affirmation is what love does in one form. Doing unto others as we would desire if we were in their shoes. Even even God seeks affirmation and gives it. He's commending others and being commended. 
Number two, second statement. Let me make another statement. Uh, God's word commands us to affirm others. God's word commands us to affirm others. It's all over our Bibles. I could miss this. I just think you have just one. Proverbs 31. All right, guys, get ready. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's a proverb. I know the Proverbs often used to clobber ladies over. You've got to be a Proverbs 31 woman. But in fact, this proverb was written, what? First and foremost, the immediate audience were young men. Young men who, unfortunately, were men. <laughs> They're self-centered, right? They're aware of themselves. And they got a lady. There's a woman around. And he doesn't even recognize what God is doing in her. A woman who fears the Lord, where does that fear of the Lord come from, gentlemen? It comes from the Lord. And when we praise her, don't, don't, don't like, you know, take the teeth out of that one. Oh, when we praise her, I mean, like, we bought, a, bought her a card and some flowers and said, you're really great, you know. <laughs> but don't get, like, get your head. <laughs> no. When her children and the whole house rises up regularly in our house, especially if we're all together and it's dinner and my wife has cooked the dinner, we just stop and we praise mom. And if someone frowns a little at what we're eating that night, you crack it out, get all in line. We are going to affirm mom. Because mom has been serving us all day when she would rather not be cooking for us. But she's loving us. And her loving us and caring for us and managing the house is not intrinsically, organically coming from her goodness. And so we, Proverbs 31, praise her. Oh, there... Let me, let me make another statement, and I'll talk all about all kinds of places in Scripture where it talks about affirming others is a command, right? Number two. Number three, affirming others is really not that complicated. It's not that complicated. I'm going to get in a moment that it's really difficult, but it, it's not d- difficult because it's complicated. It's, it's not complicated. Affirming others is not complicated. We're loving others by uh, identifying evidences of God's grace in their lives give you some examples affirming strengths and abilities and gifts that are present in one of your friends one of your members of your church your family your parents your children romans 12 honor one another don't take the teeth out of that one outdo one another in honoring one another why because when we honor one another we affirm what's going on in their life that is an evidence of god's activity in their life and so god is glorified but boy does it encourage the one being affirmed to be honored romans 12 that's romans 12 james uh, 5 don't grumble against each other there's the opposite of affirming right Uh, romans 12 again uh, confirm the gifts that you see in one another identify them honor them celebrate those gifts position people to function in those gifts not because they are gifted in and of themselves but those gifts have come from the lord and we affirm them we acknowledge them, we commend them and celebrate them and enjoy them so that god would be glorified 
Another way to affirm people, just simple. Their worth and equal uh, importance, especially in Christ. Romans 15, accept one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Differences of opinion. We manage our house differently. We make different decisions. But welcome into my life. Because your life and my life are shared with that one life. We affirm when we welcome one another and accept one another regardless of our differences. God cares more about our unity than he does our opinions. 1 Corinthians 12, have an equal concern for each other. Don't show favoritism. 1 Peter 5, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Instead of sizing each other up, making sure I got a little bit of leg up on the next person to be able to say, you're better at that. You're better at that because God made you better at that. And I... Boy, do I affirm that and celebrate that. James 2, don't show favoritism. <laughs> Physical affection. <laughs> I think this is in here. Uh, <laughs> affirm one another through visible af- affection. Romans 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. James 1, quick to listen, slow to speak, deferent as someone else shares and speaks. James 1, or Ephesians 4, better. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Look to someone else's interests before your own. 1 Thessalonians, may your love increase and overflow for each other and be affection for one another. What gets complicated on the other hand, so, okay, affirming others is not complicated. What gets complicated is, is when you get to know one another, Right? The more we get together, the more we get to know one another, the harder it is to affirm one another. It's really easy to affirm somebody when you first meet them. You say, wow, look at that. Praise God. Be encouraged. And then you get to know them. (laughs) And it gets hard and harder, though you know them better and better and have more and more data we're biased, right? It gets harder and harder to not to see the grace in them. That, that can be hard. Oftentimes we see the grace, but I, I don't want to say it. <laughs> Affirm it. Acknowledge it. Commend it. I'll, I'll give you a good example of when you can detect that what is really not that complicated becomes very, very difficult. Not everybody. Everybody's personality is different but when you see a diminishing and an absence of laughter we're no longer laughing together we're no longer joking around when we're together i know that's more of a guy thing than a gal thing we're no longer showing physical displays of affection you know that I don't know what you call your small groups, whatever it is, when you break down into smaller groups and you look and you look in the room and there is Mr. and the Mrs. is on the other side of the room, but there's an empty seat next to Mr. (laughs) And you say, something might be getting more difficult here. When 
when we, and here's the diagnosis, when, when we find it harder and harder and there's an absence of affirmation, I think it's primarily because our hearts, our internal life is more full of a love for myself than for God, which causes me to love others. But I love myself too much, and I take an offense for the person who maybe has some places to affirm, but I got a couple pieces of data here I'd like to settle. And so my mouth closes, and it becomes very difficult to praise another. Listen, C.S. Lewis, oh, this is what he wrote. Listen, listen, he wrote, the world rings with praise. This was his observation. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, he wrote, historical personages. Children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps. Are you getting the point? This universe is designed to be affirmed. Rare beetles. World ringing with praise for rare beetles. Even sometimes, this C.S. Lewis, you can tell he didn't live today. Even sometimes politicians. <laughs> Not where I come from. <laughs> This is what C.S. Lewis said. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced people praised most. While the cranks and misfits and malcontents praised least. Have you noticed? It's not complicated to join in the chorus of the world in affirming the beauty of creation and all the way down to the smallest act of kindness. Have you noticed how those most balanced, like I said, balanced minds praise most? while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praise least. Fourth statement. Move this on. Fourth statement. This is second most exciting one for me. Affirming others is a powerfully effective evangelistic plan. Affirming others is a powerfully powerfully effective evangelistic plan. Why? Because it's God's plan. It's God's plan. Your neighbors who don't know the Lord, they're craving to be affirmed as well. This isn't just about us 
the church. This is God's plan. So we prowl the neighborhood, you might say, looking to affirm where God is at work, even in the least in our neighborhoods, even in the ones who are most opposed to you and to the church and to God Himself. We look for where God's activity is still there, where it's active, where it's been preserved, where there's just a glimmer, where you just want to give them just a little shove, and you look at them in the eye, you grab your neighbor, and you affirm them for the grace of God. Even though they don't like it. (laughs) But they will, because they desire to be affirmed. And you point to the image of God in them. Remember, God-centered affirmations point towards the echoes and shadows and realities of a righteousness not intrinsic to the person being affirmed. Affirmation, in fact, is a way to gain a hearing for the gospel. When I walk across the street, I live on a, in a, a little bit of a suburb in the middle of the city, but I got a street, so we got porches, and I walk across the street, and I sit down on the porch with my, one of my favorite neighbors, Tom, and Tom tells me something about his life that he's told me every time I sit down on the porch, because he's in his late 70s, and he's repeating himself a little bit now. <laughs> and I've heard the story, and I know where the story's going, and my phone is ringing in my pocket, but it gets to the end. And I can say, Tom, you are a great tennis player. You are a great tennis player. I, I went to his high school. It was in our town and found his name up on the banner. Shot a photo. He hadn't been there for 20, 30 years. And came back and said, Tom, Tom, you are a great tennis player. Wasn't it great to be young and strong? Tell me the stories again. And at some point, as we build this relationship, Sometimes months, sometimes years, sometimes just in that one moment in Starbucks when you encourage the lady who looks really tired because she's pushing a stroller and got a baby in one of those things here and one baby on the back and she's looking really weird and she's got two, you know, long, what do you call them, long blacks, whatever, two Americanos. You guys don't drink Americanos here. We drink lots of Americanos in America. And she's drinking and she looks weary and you just say, well done, Mom. They'll never know this season was in your life she walks out the door affirmed God's glorified because any good of this mom is coming from her and every good in every good game and I know most of the career that Tom had as a tennis player and he really was a good tennis player all of that all that strength all that youthfulness and discipline was all from God and God's glorified when I recount it. And nobody else in the neighborhood could care less. Those conversations and those affirmations are gaining, for me, a platform to proclaim what is just shadows and realities in Tom, but in Christ is real. What kinds of things should you affirm in your neighbors? Commend the commendable, right? You you got a, a lost person, there's lots of bad stuff going on, but you look and you say, you can value what is valuable in them. 
I think this is what Jesus did. I think this is why lost people like to be with Jesus. Jesus, to be around him, was to experience his love, and in particular, his, in particular, the affirmations they would receive as he could identify his own father's work and the Spirit's work in that individual. And they, he was a very, very encouraging man to be around. Attractive. You want to be attractive, gentlemen? If you're single... <laughs> especially all guys should be want to be attractive being a affirming kind of guy not just with the ladies with everyone listen the good things that unregenerate people do really are good things let me repeat that again the good things that you see at work that unregenerate people do non-christians do and i know we're good reformed people and so we say no good comes from thing and oh, totally depraved and that doesn't mean they do everything wrong doesn't mean there's no grace present in them doesn't mean that the entire image of god has been diffracted and destroyed no the good things that unregenerate people do really are good things even if they are inferior to how they would be done if they consciously did it for the glory of god and that's the goal Affirm the good they do with hope that one day that good will be way better. That they will grow to be more and more like the only man who ever was good. It's not optional, it's worship. It's not optional, it's worship. Listen, number five, last one appropriate place to end God will have the last affirmation he'll have the last word regarding everything that happens in this age God will make the last affirmations talk about talk about a desire to be affirmed And you are wired to want to hear this. I want to hear this. Matthew 25. Here's an affirmation, which is an application of God is love. Jesus speaking to you. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful, not on my resume. But whatever good and faithfulness there was now, he will affirm. Well done, good and faithful servant. I, I didn't pick him, he picked me. I was given him before he was given me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master.
enter into heaven. And unending affirmations. Back and forth. Back and forth. An endless stream of new revelation and aha moments. As we sang today, where He delights in us first. And we delight in Him. He affirms us. And back radiates affirmation for God. I used to think, this is where I'll end, I used to think that when I met somebody that was just all excited about that Jesus loved them. Jesus loves me. And you know, yeah, let me tell you a little bit more about the doctrine of the soteriology and getting all this, all these big terms. And he says, I don't, I don't need to know any of that. And I'd have those folks. They're in my life. They're still in my life. And that's, and I affirm them as best I can. <laughs> and and more and more so, as I realize that my estimation of them originally was inaccurate. For they truly are those that He delights in. Why? For Jesus loves them so. And so I can too join in his affirmation of all of creation. May you be the most affirming congregation in the city of Sydney. Would you pray with me? Father, I give thanks to you for this church, these individuals that you have collected together by the grace of God that was given to them in Christ, enriching them in all ways. So Father, I am confident that you will confirm them in the end. And I join them in their desire to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into a world of love. Father, I pray, I pray for just one moment of this retreat to have had an effect on every life. I know it has mine already, but I pray we would walk off this property, walk off this property different people than when we arrived. For your glory for your glory and pleasure, for our glory and pleasure as we join you, united in you, and affirming, affirming who you are and what you've done. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen.